0: good evening good morning good night wherever you are whatever you're doing sit back relax and enjoy the analysis that i'm about to provide from day 9 um i say good night good evening good morning and good day i think it's more relevant today than ever my body clock is all over the show i'm trying i've been trying for over a week now to get to australian time and uh, at times I'm there, but at times I'm not. Uh, I was struggling through certainly the the last match of the day, but we'll um, we'll come to that in a second. Let's just have a quick hello to some people. Apologies for the delay, by the way. We had some technical issues. Um, the first technical issue being that, um, as I say, the body clocks, and we would like to do this a bit earlier in the afternoon. as a bit more reactionary, but it was just very difficult for us. I needed to have a siesta. I need to be fresh. I need to be ready to go as will the semi-finalists come Friday. Uh, Let's have a quick uh, hello. Nadal v. v Berrettini will be a 2.30 p.m. match. Um, Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Alex, is is that 100%? Um, That will be interesting if that's the case. I I had heard that they were going to both be in the evening. Uh, 12 travel 21. I think Mr. Silk is just deciding which bandana to put on today takes time. Nice. Ross suggesting I was in makeup makes sense. If I was in makeup, I shall be far- firing my makeup person, ASAP. But yeah, we had a few delays, but um, it's great to be here. Silk must be using JG's alarm clock. Yeah, nice. Uh, a Gene, crazy day. Uh yeah, crazy day. So let's get to it, shall we? Um for me, this was the sort of image of the day, if you like. Um, as we can see here, Rafa celebrating at, this is at match point, which I think was appropriately enough was a super short point. I think three, four, five shots, something like that, as all the shots were in that final set, as all the rallies were, if you like, or lack of rallies, particularly from on Rafa's serve. And this came from an unforced error from Shapovalov. I mean, you could call it forced, but really he should be getting that in on match point. But we'll come to that in a second. We'll come to Shapovalov. We'll come to a deep dive on how the match panned out. But this is the moment that Rafa Nadal and his supporters, and he's there kind of in front of his box, realised that he was in the Australian Open semi-final for the first time in three years. At a stage of the tournament where he'd gone out so often in the past, he now has a 7-7 seven and seven record at the quarterfinals in Melbourne, his worst of all the slams, if you like. Um, in terms of the fact he has a winning record, so to speak at the quarterfinal stage of every other one. I think at Wimbledon he's never lost a quarterfinal, for example, whereas even the French he has. uh but unlike last year sitsi pass unlike the year before Dominic team, unlike Marin Cilic in 2018 when he pulled up injured, he managed to prevail in five very dramatic sets. Was it the highest of qualities? Well, that's another uh, question, and we will be addressing that very shortly. Let's let's go back, though. Let's start from the beginning of the match, if you like. Uh, they exchanged serves uh, for the first couple of games, uh, but Rafa looking very comfortable on his serve. And this is a point that I, I know we've mentioned a few times before, and I know Rafa has even mentioned it, particularly after the hatching off. But we're going to look at his return position because I think it's very interesting to see how he used that in the first two sets, I would say, in particular. Um, as the match began to slip away from him, it was a bit more hit and miss, if you like, or mixing his his uh, return position. But for the first two sets, it was pretty, not consistent, but it was consistent throughout each game. Here's, here's an image of him, for example, in game two, or pretty much his first return. And this is on a second serve from Shapovalov. And we can see him here about two meters behind the baseline. Um, so this is a first serve. I apologize. This is a first serve from Shapovalov. This is, for Rafa, this is pretty aggressive. Okay. And to be honest with you, I'm reminded of a, um, you wouldn't think it's a particularly point, uh, pertinent comment, but I remember him making a comment after losing to Zverev in straight sets at paris Bercy at the end of 2020. And he said he regretted the fact that he stood so far back um, from the court. And it wasn't until towards the end of the match that he took a more aggressive position closer to the baseline to return Zverev's serves. By then, though, it was too late to get himself back in that match and he ended up losing in straight sets. Um, so he starts with a similar philosophy against Chapavalov to that philosophy he had a, a, at the end of the match against Fedev, as I mentioned in Paris, Bercy, 2020. Also the philosophy that he's deployed a lot throughout this tournament. And in the three sets that he won against Hatchinov in particular, this is the aggressive return position he uh, adopted. And in fact, for the for the second serve, he was almost on the baseline, which for Rafa, if we can remember those images for him, in, particularly in Paris, when he's so far back, he's almost in Bordeaux uh, on Philippe Châtrier. This is a pretty aggressive stance. Now, he loses this game quite comfortably. I think uh, he gets one or maybe two points at best. He certainly doesn't push him to juice. So it's interesting then to see his stance for the next service game. Now, this is the other end of the court. But let me tell you now, the shadow is fairly equidistant. Everything in Melbourne is done down to a T, even the shadows. None of this Madrid bizarre shadow stuff that really can affect both viewers and players. Now we can see he's already garnered three break points at this point from a much deeper return position on the the first serve, but also on the second. So, interesting. Aggressive, close to the baseline, first and second serves, loses that game comfortably. Here, partly because of the return, because of the unforced errors that Shapovalov was getting, that having the more time to return that first serve or even second serve was just meaning that he was pretty much guaranteed to get it back in play. If he got it back in play with any sort of venom, he knew a mistake was coming from Shabavalov and he ended up breaking quite comfortably here. So, interesting. Aggressive, loses game. Far back, wins game. Now let's have a look at the next uh, time he's uh, returning serve in game six, as we see here. Now, again, he's gone a little bit more aggressive. He's gone a bit more aggressive here. This is on the first serve. We can see him out of the shadow. I know it's the other end of the court, but trust me, if anything, there's more of a shadow, uh, there's more sunlight at this at this end than there is here. So we can again, we can see him again going from the aggressive point, the aggressive baseline uh, thing. This is on a first serve. He's probably one meter behind here compared to one and a half meters behind here compared to three meters behind in the previous game. He gets it to juice in this one, but he loses. We're seeing a pattern here. Aggression, loses. Far back, wins. Aggression, loses. This pattern continues all the way through the first and second sets. He was mixing up a little bit, but the next time that he really goes aggressive on the return, sorry, the next time he really goes far back on the return serve is in the seventh game. Of the second set, again, we can see this return position far back. So I think we have like, um, we've got about, what's that, nine add six. We've got 15. So this is the this is the eighth return game, if you like, for Nadal. On two occasions, he stands far back. On six occasions, he's aggressive. And let me tell you now, the six aggressive return times, he loses the the game. The, twi- the two occasions he stands far back, he wins the game. It's almost the complete re- reverse to what happened against Hatchinov. Hachinov, aggression, got him the three sets that he won. The far back position arguably cost him the set, along with a few other little tiny details. But very interesting that actually the opposite was happening. And I was a bit surprised that he didn't take this far back stance a bit more often during the, during the first two sets, because he basically won every time he was far back primarily because Shapovalov was helping him a bit with the unforced errors. And we are going to come to that in a minute. What I do want to mention, though, at this stage is the... Uh, oh, yeah. So this is also an important point. In the same, This is the same point, by the way. So we've got this starting point here. And this is what I mean by the mistakes from Shapovalov helping, is that he takes this p- position, he gets himself into the point, but still Shapovalov should win the point. And we've got an image here from about two shots later. And Nadal gets that return back in play. Shapovalov pushes Nadal to the right. Nadal's in a quite a tricky position. Shapovalov has kind of brought him into the net, but it's not an easy shot for Rafa, especially as Shapovalov intelligently comes in and closes. But here, Shapovalov has got to go down this gaping wide area of the court. But what does he do? He hits it back across court to Nadal here, who has a volley and puts it into the open court, giving him a love 30, ultimately unassailable lead. So Shapovalov was helping Nadal with some of these, well, not unforced errors. This was more of a, I think, experience, if you like, here. I think another couple of years on the tour, maybe the instinctive moment here that, that hopefully will be ingrained in Shapovalov will mean he puts the ball here. But ultimately, he gifts it to Nadal. And Nadal was playing well in the first two sets, but we can't ignore the fact that Shapovalov was at least assisting him with some unforced errors. Something else we can't ignore during the uh, first set is that uh, Shapovalov, of course, lost it mentally, if you like. I I don't think he lost actually his composure. I think, if anything, it put Nadal off a little bit, but basically... Uh, Shapovalov was angry, shot clock gate once again, using the time. Rafa um, was under pressure, if you like, at times in terms of the way, um, particularly at the end of the first set. Nadal, I think, was changing his clothes. That seemed to upset Shapovalov. The time between the points, there was even a comment from Shapovalov um, during this outrage, if you like, at the end of the first set, where he said, all of you are corrupt, he said to the umpire, which... I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if if there's any repercussions of that. Perhaps there won't be. I've not heard too much since, but that's a pretty that's a pretty aggressive take from Shapovalov. I think you know, make having outbursts and saying all sorts of things, but to suggest that all of you are corrupt, and he's saying it, I guess, to umpires, referees, and organizations. That's a pretty incendiary remark. It'll be interesting to see. Um, let me know what you think in the live chat, um, about this episode. I actually do think that there was a moment where Rafa kind of lost his concentration a bit, um, uh, et cetera, but, um. Yeah. Let's have a quick look at the live chat. I've kind of ignored you guys for the, for the uh, moment. So I'm going to have a look at some of your comments here. Uh, JG, feel free to shove any up on the screen while I have a quick scroll through. Uh, I honestly don't like people calling him mentally weak for displaying emotion like this. I guess who are you re- you're referring to uh Shapovalov here? A Grand Slam quarterfinal is more pressure than most of us will ever face. You don't have to like his behavior, but not weak. I, I actually think, I don't view Chabot's behaviour at this point as being weak. We see lots of players getting angry. We see it from Djokovic and Medvedev, who've won 21 Grand Slams between them. You know, John McEnroe would do it, obviously. I, I think that there was a, a, a bit more from Shapovalov here. I think there was a bit of gamesmanship. We touched on it with Medvedev. But I do think that in this point, he's actually trying to apply pressure to the umpire, um, in that he will just keep an eye on the shot clock. And later on in the match, it was kind of near the end of the match. Uh, Rafa did get a time warning, if you like. But Shapovalov, I don't think, uh, John, it's not um, B&W. Uh, he's intentionally giving Shapo different return positions uh, to throw him off. Uh, he's a very smart player. Okay, um, I'm not sure what B&W stands for, but I do know what we're talking about here, the return position. Yeah, I I, I know what you mean. Uh, that he's he's doing that to throw Shapovalov off, but I just think in those fir- and 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 that was certainly the tactic from third set onwards. But in the pr- in those two games that he won, he was fairly consistent in that he was back in the in the pre in the other six that he lost, he was fairly consistent in the aggressive position. I just think I would have liked to him to take the sort of more cautious position, if you like, further back during those first two sets, black and white. Oh, I see, it's not black and white. Okay. Um no, I I know what you mean, and I think he was mixing up a lot as the match wore on, but it was fairly black and white during the first two sets or the first, I think it was 12 or so return games where, as I say, he was aggressive on, on two occasions and he was not aggressive on the others. Rafa certainly thought it was black and white against Hachinov. Uh, afterwards, he just said, look, first two sets, I was aggressive on return of serve. Third set, I I was not and I decided to maintain that throughout the third set, but I knew I would switch back in the fourth set if it was to go to a full set, which it obviously did. Of course, there are far too many variables in tennis to just say it's because of this that he won those games. I'm not suggesting that, not for one second. As I said, Shabavalov certainly played his part. Um, John, there was no gamesmanship before the start of the fifth. Ultimately, it's on Shabov to concentrate. Um I think there was gamesmanship at Vanch at the end of that first set. Um, I think the the outburst from, from uh, Denis Shapovalov was also to, to tell the umpire to keep an eye on this. This is what's happening. I don't like it. I do think, of course, he's frustrated, and there's a mixture of the two at play there. But Rafa did sort of seem to be a bit thrown for a couple of points. He got his mind back on it, and he continued, and off he went and comfortably won those two sets for a variety of reasons but especially because Shapovalov was not doing himself any favours. I thought Rafa was playing well in those first two sets. Um, I think he played better at times against Hachinov, if I'm if I'm honest, and possibly against Manorino, but he was playing well. And there's no doubt that his performance did dip. Rafa actually even said that during the second set, he started to feel the heat, if you like. And we are going to be coming to that very shortly. And, and I think in terms of conditions... I think we can also have a quick look at some interesting stats from the uh, the match. Rafa looked sick after the match, maybe covid Yeah, I saw this during the live chat as we were covering it, um, when Ben and uh, JG were covering it earlier. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, not sure. I think it's very easy to just regarding the COVID thing. Hi, Vanch. Thanks for the uh, super chat, by the way. I'm referring to the break Rafa took before the start of the fifth. Broke chapo's momentum. Oh, okay. Uh, still, Shapo could concentrate. Yeah, true. But um, when he got stressed, Chapo, it was at the end of the first set during uh, um, during uh, uh, sort of the end of the first set. And he's ta- changing his clothes. At least that's what Rafa said in his press conference. But I, I think Rafa taking a break at the end of the fourth set was kind of normal. I don't think Chapo, at least on the court at the time, he may have said something in his press conference afterwards, but on the court at the time there was no um there was no outburst from Shapovalov at the end of the fourth set like there was at the end of the first remember he's just won the fourth set so that may be a reason yes uh Rafa takes a break he often takes breaks at ends of sets when he's won or lost particularly given the fact that he's sweating quite a lot um and he said so changed all my clothes took the five minutes he uh, in, in rafa's press conference afterwards he highlighted the sitsi pass Murray match which kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back regarding this um thing. Vanch says Rafa took like seven minutes. Yeah, I think I think that that the the players get a kind of a a five minute thing where, you know, this is quite a new rule. So it'll be interesting to see how it's applied. Yeah, I do remember seeing the clock at about six and a half minutes from the last point. Um I, for I understand it and we can correct me if I'm wrong in the chat. It's not from the last point. He gets five minutes from the minute he leaves the court to the minute he returns. And I do believe that they've got a person with them that's knocking on the door basically saying, chop, chop, let's go. Let's get back to the match though and let's get into some of the nitty gritty of the details. Um, I'd like to bring up now a stat that's an excellent stat um, regarding Raffron's serve today. He's definitely going more aggressive on that second serve and that's probably part of the reason, but it's not the only reason. Today, there was 11 double faults by Nadal. And so this is kind of where the match changed. Uh, Rafa said he started to feel a bit tired, if you like, during the second set. And I know you could highlight the fact that he's only lost one set until now, but that tiebreak against Man Arena was like a set on its own uh, in a way. So I do think that there's a lot of energy lost there. And he's still coming back. Somebody mentioned COVID, of course, and other things. But this stat uh, regarding 11 double faults, it's too much. And he won't be able to get away with that again uh, in other matches. But there's there's two parts here. I think his physical condition, I think um, uh, seeing the end in sight, perhaps. Don't forget, it was 4-5 when he got broken in the third. Um, so, you know, that was heading to a tiebreak, if you like. But he couldn't hold serve there. But another important thing is... and. And Ravi here is, is really important to remember that it is slightly different in terms of conditions and on clay, et cetera. But, but actually, as the ball goes over the net, there shouldn't be too many differences comparing his second serve speed. Look at that gap. I, I tend to sort of use kilometers an hour, but whether you use kilometers an hour or miles an hour, it was much slower last year on the second serve compared to this year. Much slower. We're looking at 10 more than a 10% increase there on serve, second service speed, which will also explain the double folds. So he gets to 2-1, and you're still thinking Rafa's got the advantage here. Um, I do think that looking at how it was uh, with Pass last year and obviously Djokovic as well at the French. So, of course, at the jo- Djokovic one, he takes a one-set lead, ends up losing three sets to one. pass takes a two-set lead, ends up losing three sets to two. We saw some echoes of each match, particularly the pass match in this one. But I think there's one big difference. Let's let's talk about the pass one. I think there's a really direct comparison there because pass is two sets to love. Boom. Two sets all, and then ultimately, Sitsi Pass prevails, winning three sets to two. It was in Melbourne, it was a year ago. Here, similar situation, two sets to Love, okay, uh, to Rafa, two sets all. But there was a, the biggest difference between the Sitsi Pass match and today was the person on the other side of the net. Uh, Sitsi Pass was not taking any prisoners last year, and Sitsi Pass was unbelievably good and was playing unbelievably well. Shapovalov did in spells, but at no point was he reaching the consistency, particularly on the backhand, that Tsitsipas was 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 firing with last year, um, and so that always gave Rafa a chance. Whereas I think Rafa's chances against Tsitsipas were much slimmer, if you like, with the exception of the final game of the match. Um, so that was the big difference for me compared to to a, a year ago. I was. That was the thing I was clutching to. I was worried for Rafa, especially as midway through that fourth set or towards the end of the fourth set, we saw him clutching at his stomach and we were thinking, we saw all those uh, rib injuries um, that were, were happening last year, the abdominal injuries that were occurring during the Australian Open last year. We didn't see, I haven't seen them so many times this year, but we were thinking, well, if this is an abdominal issue. This is going to be big trouble. As it turned out, it was a stomach issue um, in terms of the heat. Now, I'm going to bring us back to the obviously the time of the match searing heat 32 degrees plus centigrade which of course means that's in the shade so of course in the sunshine it'll be a good 10 or 15 degrees higher then of course on on down below on the court you know not a great deal of wind this is not Philip Chatray in October like in 2020 um you know these are not cool temperatures these are of course Preferable temperatures for Rafa Nadal generally in terms of the way the the match is going, but you were thinking he needs to get this done in three or four to really take advantage of that. And we saw Krejcikova in the previous match that took place on on Rod Laver, and we'll be coming to that shortly. She was struggling too. She actually was really, really struggling, and she was kind of red in the face. She had a medical timeout, very similar to Rafa. Rafa took a, a, a tablet, it seemed, to try and settle his stomach down, if you like. Um, and that's where we're at. And then, uh, uh, Shapovalov gets his break in the fifth and you're thinking, you know, Rafa wasn't moving very comfortably either. Rafa then takes his timeout, if you like, at the end of the fourth, changes his clothes, comes back and you're thinking, right, how can Rafa win this match from here? There's really only one or two avenues. One is that the serve has got to be spot on and maybe hopefully get to a tie break. But of course, every game in that, um, in that, that's an interesting thing, actually 12 travel, 21 BBC weather says almost a hundred percent chance of rain. Uh, you're just going up slightly there on that comment. But that was an interesting one there from 12, 20, 21. Yeah. That says a hundred percent chance of rain on Friday. So the semi semifinal been indoor match. How will the roof being closed affect Rafa uh, Berrettini? Well, Let's see. Uh, these three-day-ahead forecasts tend to be less accurate than the day before or even hours before. But let's say it is raining, and let's say it's indoor. That will benefit Berrettini, I would suggest. I think the ideal scenario for Rafa is outdoor, um, no roof closed, but be first on, which I suspect, given the semifinals from from Tuesday, you would expect the first ones to be on. So I think you know if he's the earlier match of the two, which almost certainly he will be, I would suggest that it's better for him to have the roof open. We remember how it was against Djokovic in that Wimbledon semi final when the roof was closed and the, the match swung in, in Djokovic's favor. And Rafa mentioned it afterwards that um, it's better for him to have the roof open. However, there was that um, French Open final of 2020, which was all done with the roof closed. And Rafa won that comfortably. But that was on clay, also on grass. We see Rafa's performances indoor over two sets at least, or or best of three. I think he's won one tournament his entire career indoor. So, yeah, and we know how he gets on at the ATP finals. So I would suggest he would rather not have it indoors. But if it is, that's how it is. Um, I think the bigger issue is the fact that he's playing Berrettini than than Monfils, if I'm honest. Berrettini is a much tougher proposition, and he's a much better player than he was in 2019. Remember Berrettini only lost to one player at all slams last year, and that was Djokovic. And we know how his year panned out. So I think the major factor is that he's playing Berrettini, not Monfils. But we'll we'll come to that a bit later on. Um, yeah. So where was I? Yeah. So that's that's the stat regarding Nadal, and, and then we go to the fifth. And so the only sort of avenues for success for Nadal as we come to that fifth are excellent serving, less double faults, hitting the spots, hitting them fast getting back to the sort of service situation to the first two sets, hoping to avoid a tie break, I would suggest as well, and just hoping to get a a break at some point. And it came. It came quite early on. I think, was it game three in in that set um, where he got the break? Let's have a quick look at some of the stats from the match. Uh, And I think we're going to see the unforced errors there being the big one. I mean, look at that. 44 to 17 on the unforced errors. Shabavala 44, Nadal 17. And that, of course, Nadal's double unforced errors will include these 11 double faults. So then if you look at the unforced error count in open play, so to speak, six for the entire match over a five-set match, that's just over one. That's basically one unforced error a set from open play at least. So that is impressive. And I have to say, that is another thing that's probably gone under the radar a bit. He's not done too many unforced errors, Rafa Nadal. Um, but this is this is too high from Shapovalov. We know he's aggressive. We expect that there will be unforced errors. But even so, this is far too high. 44 is far too high. 20 is, is, is an impressive ace count. He'll be pleased with that. But this is far too high. And that's what he has to be most angry about. I think there was a chance, a very good chance for Shapovalov to win today. I made my prediction before, said it was 50-50. It panned out in the terms of the result, very close to that, but actually the match didn't quite pan out. I didn't expect Shapovalov to be so off and his return of serve uh, in, the, in the first and second set. I think I saw at one point there was a stat saying he was losing or, or wasn't able to return like 67% of Rafa's second serves, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, um, let's look at that fifth set and let's look at kind of, I guess, the crucial moment, which was the the moment when Rafa breaks. Uh, Rafa did get a little bit lucky. He had that one point. I'm not sure if it was in the service break. I wish uh, I could recall. Let me know in the chat if this came in the, in the break game, in the fifth set. But there was a point, uh, I think it was on the third game, actually, when Rafa's holding. And Rafa's at the net, and he hits what was a fairly easy volley, I would suggest. Uh, at the net chapavallov is way out of the of the game Rafa's has done pretty well to force him out wide rafa comes into the net has an easy-ish uh volley at the net which hits the net cord and trickles over the net and that really was the tennis gods I think it may have been ben it may well have actually it may well have been G J G jG said so the tennis gods are just smiling on rafa there and boy did he need that and boy did he take advantage of that um, but yeah, Chapeau probably shouldn't be losing his serve really to a guy who was not moving very well either. I know we had the stomach thing. I, I do think there was another thing, by the way, that, that was mentioned during the Ben, a uh, JG commentary towards the end of the fourth set. And I think it was one, there was some speculation either in the chat or even from the guys in the, uh, in the studio uh, were suggesting that maybe Rafa could just take it easy for this next couple of games. And um and then sort of go for it again in the fifth. I saw it slightly differently. I mean, Rafa did have a couple of break points at the end of that fourth set and nearly did break back to get it on serve. But I also saw that if he could just string out that fourth set a little bit longer, the shadow was starting to come over the court. With the shadow, temperatures drop a little bit, not sufficiently enough to affect the the top spin forehand. Although really by now, because we're not going into long rallies really, um, There was very few rallies throughout the match. That's why we had a five-set match, but well under four hours in total. Um, I think that the shadow was also playing in Rafa's favour. So I actually thought that just get another game or two at the end of that fourth set. Take a five-minute break, as he did. And that's enough time that basically, as we can see from this image here, that by the time the match finished, pretty much the whole court was in the shadow. It meant the heat, which was bothering Nadal in the sets three and four, and of course, to some extent in set five, was slightly less of an issue because the temperature was coming down. But still, there was plenty to do. Rafa broke. Shapovalov shouldn't be getting broken. Unforced errors again. Unforced errors again, even in the final game of the match, which we'll come to briefly in a second. Um, But the shadow was there. Slight bit of luck on that net cord moment. Um... But actually, Rafa wasn't really under pressure on his serve in that fifth set because he was serving so well, because the unforced errors were coming. There was so few rallies. Once, once Chapeau was broken once, Rafa didn't come close to breaking again. Pretty much every game in that final set, with the exception of the time when Rafa broke, was game to 15, I think. And um, Rafa served excellently. Chapeau served pretty well, too, with the exception of the game when he was broken. And Rafa did mention as well afterwards that in sets three and four, aside from his travails in terms of illness, he also was finding it really difficult on Chapeau's second serve. He was serving big on his second serve, and that's a a feather in Chapeau's cap. But there will be regrets from Chapeau's and Even match point. Match point, Rafa is kind of out of this. It's 40-15, Rafa doing what Rafa had been doing really throughout the set, keeping the points short. He couldn't... Every time... Shapovalov was getting a decent return in, Rafa's footwork was gone. Rafa was not there for rallies in that fifth set. Rafa was hoping to get a decent first serve in, which he did quite often, was hoping to get a decent second serve in. I think the double faults did drop a bit in that fifth set. But all Shapovalov had to do is get himself into the point, which he did on a couple of occasions, or more than a couple of occasions, and don't do an unforced error. And I think if we look at the fifth set, Match point, 40-15, it's a microcosm of that. He does get himself into the point, uh, which he didn't always do in the fifth set. He got himself into the point. Rafa is kind of struggling. I think Rafa in the first set, uh, there's a point uh, in pretty much Rafa's last shot of the match where Rafa is kind of forced out wide. Um, But Rafa goes conservative. As we do see, I actually did a deep dive once on Rafa's match championship points at all 20 slams that he's won. And he does tend to err on the side of caution on the championship points. And he did it again on here on the the match point because he could have gone big down the line on match point here, Um, but he didn't. And uh, he goes cross court, which is kind of the safer option. Shabavalo should be making this volley and he should be keeping it in, but it goes out. And at that point, we see this image of Rafa Nadal relief, exaltation, excitement. By the way, if you're feeling any relief, because this uh, this section is coming to an end as it is very soon, I'm going to be quickly going on to the others. Hit that like button as the Game to Love guys said. I want to get 100 likes. Let me know how many likes I'm on. Make sure you subscribe as well. And uh, we've got another Rafa match to review on Friday, so we can look forward to that then. Let's come to a couple of post-match stats, if you like. Uh, there's a couple certainly that are very interesting. Um, this one in particular uh, from Darren Walton is nice. Rafa Nadal's epic Australian Open win ensures at least one of the big three makes the semifinals for a seventieth time in the past seventy-one Grand Slams. The only occasion it didn't happen that we had one of Djokovic, Nadal, or Federer in the semifinals at Slam was in since two thousand four. Was it twenty twenty? When Fedor and Nadal weren't there, Fedor was out injured, Nadal sat it out for one reason or another. I think we were sort of just coming back from the pandemic. And uh, Djokovic was defaulted. It's the only time we haven't had one of the big three at the semifinals of a slam since 2004. Unbelievable stat. Um, just incredible. Oh, we've got to highlight this, by the way. At the end of the match, let's go to the image of Rafa again. At the end of the match, Rafa said... In his on-court interview afterwards with Courier, with I think he mentioned it in other interviews he gave in his press conference, but also to Eurosport afterwards, Rafa said, I was destroyed. Well, it wasn't the only thing that was destroyed at the end of the match. Because Chapeau destroys his racket. Uh, I said he did an unforced error, destroys his racket. And there's a funny little cameo here. What happens next? The girl comes on sheepishly, not knowing what to do, picks up the racket and heads off into the sunset. Uh, I thought it was quite a funny little cameo. She didn't really know what to do. Um, I think smashing your racket on match point isn't really a good look, but hey... Uh, there's bigger issues to worry about with Shapovalov today. I think um, I'd focus more on the on-court stuff and just the way he performed, his poor returns, the unforced errors, 44, way too much if you want to be winning Grand Slam matches against certainly one of the big three and one of the best players of all time. I'm going to finish with one comment I mentioned about, um, or oh, I'm going to finish with this Nadal segment and one comment. Yesterday or, uh, or a couple of days ago, in the, I think it was yesterday in the, in the chat, we were having a, a laugh about animals on court. And we mentioned uh, how we'd seen, uh, uh, what, what have we had? We had uh, seagulls and we had butterflies and we had cockroaches and we were joking about what animals we'd see next. Kangaroos will be the obvious one. Uh, comparisons with alligators in Florida in the past. Uh, JG joking about having a rhino. Well, I think for sure yesterday we had a lion on court. And Rafa will proceed to the next round, to the semi-finals. his first time, as I say, in three years, where he will face Matteo Berrettini. Let me know what you think in the live chat of this match. I couldn't watch all of it. I had to uh, have some downtime because I actually watched the Rafa match. I watched the Keys match. We'll come to that as well in a second, the keys korej match. I then started watching Barty Pagula, because I was so pumped uh, with energy from the Rafa match that I suddenly was super wide awake, despite it being nine o'clock in the morning and I hadn't slept for 24 hours. I managed to get through large parts of that pergoula barty match. And by the time we got to Berrettini-Monfils, I was dead. I was destroyed, as uh, word of the day. Let's have a quick look at this. Monfils-Berrettini played a 20-minute game in set two, Uh, a 26-point game. So it was a 20-minute game. Uh, I, was that a game in which he broke? Because I, as I said, I missed most of the first two sets. I pretty much tuned in when Monfils tuned in, so to speak. And I thought uh, Monfils, despite getting back into the match, um, despite having not seen the first two sets, I don't know. I never thought that Monfils was really in charge at any point. And even though momentum-wise you know, he'd got two sets back. I never quite felt as though he was in control. And I always thought Berrettini's nerve as well, which I think is pretty good. Um, I don't think Berrettini's losing matches because of his nerve. He's just losing matches because the other guy on the other side of the net is often Djokovic, certainly at slams last year. Um, This day was high on drama, LS5. Thanks for that comment. Yeah, definitely. So we're on 70 likes. Well done, everyone. But I would like... Let's see if we can get 100 before the end of the stream. I don't think I've done a stream yet where we've had 100 before the end. Um, Let me know uh, if we can get to that first of all. Snail suggesting Monfis was fatigued in the fifth set. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I. I just thought that Ber- Berrettini's level, if you like, Ber- for me, Berrettini, where he's at right now, is a better player than Monfils. Monfils is probably a bit more aggressive. And, and when Mon- Monfils is flying, Gene uh, Monfils was always always got fatigued, always gets fatigued when the match gets long. Yeah, perhaps uh, Jean predicted that Monfils would go through. I suggested Berrettini. Uh, 72 likes and climbing. Let's go. Yeah. If Rafa is fit or healthy after his game, he beats Berettini. Watch Berrettini a few matches. I've been hot and cold. Thanks, Troy. Nice to have you on board again. Gary as well. That stat about the big three just takes your breath away. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, uh, Berrettini. I don't know. I see Berrettini being a big threat to Rafa. I, I I always thought that if Monfils emerges from this, that's good news for Rafa, given his head to head against Montfice is something like fourteen and two. Is it thirteen and two? I saw uh, uh, JG and Ben touch on that. Berrettini. I think he's obviously got a winning record, but it's only like two and two and zero. I think against Berrettini. Uh, of course, we'll be thinking about Berrettini twenty nineteen U.S. Open semi-final. Different. Different Berrettini. Berrettini's a better player now. He's more consistent. Don't forget in that first set tiebreak as well, it was super close and just went Rafa's way. And I think that was a turning point in that match. Coincidence that Rafa and Berrettini both won sets one and two, then lost sets three and four, and then won set five. Yeah, but I, I don't know. They were very different matches, though. I think there is, you know, we look at the scoreboard and how they panned out. Fairly close sets with one one breaks, uh, one break of serve, if you like, uh, or one break advantage. Uh, and yeah, Berrettini takes two sets to love lead. Monfils two sets all, but Berrettini's health and conditioning was fine. There was no concerns about uh, Berrettini in that third set from my also oh, the fifth set. There worth noting that Berrettini's never made an ATP final on hard courts. Eight finals, five on clay, three on grass. Yeah, that is interesting. But um, he's still consistent. Um, and I would probably say at a slam, if you said to me, Berrettini is going to win. I think he's got the potential to win a Wimbledon for sure. I think Shapovalov too. I think Berrettini and Shapovalov will go into this year's Wimbledon, uh, probably alongside. Let's say Djokovic plays, probably along, and let's assume Federer doesn't. You know, you'd probably put them in in the in with a chance of winning, is what I'm saying. You'd, You'd if Nadal is fit, you'd obviously throw him in there too. But it's Djokovic, Nadal, Shapovalov, Berrettini. And probably Svedev as well for me are the sort of five players that realistically have a chance of winning Wimbledon this year. Um, so back to the Berrettini hardcourt thing for me, Berrettini uh, will probably win a slam on hard. Will probably not win the French. That's how I see it. So although he's got to more clay court finals, they haven't. They've never been at the French. It's always been, um, you know. I know he got to Madrid for example last year, uh, which actually Madrid is a kind of a Slightly different clay court in that it does play a bit more like a hard, which also explains why Rafa hasn't done quite so well in Madrid as he has done in Monte Carlo or Rome or, or Barcelona, for that matter. Um, so let's see. I, I, I think Berrettini's, that stat is great, and it shows how consistent he is across all three surfaces. If if anything, Berrettini's jack-of-all-trades, though, um, possibly Zverev as well would fall into this category. There's other issues with Svetev. But Berrettini's consistency on all those courts is also maybe his weak point as well. What I mean is he's excellent across across all three surfaces. He is a quarter-finalist, a semi-finalist, a finalist of all three surfaces. But he's not a specialist in the way that you would say that obviously Nadal is on clay in particular um, at at Roland Garros. But even a, a team, for example... Uh, who's certainly very good on clay, albeit that his only slam so far has been on hard. Um, You know, someone like Federer, of course, grass court specialist. Even Shapovalov, perhaps, being more of a grass court specialist than others, will arguably give him a better chance of winning at least one slam than Berrettini. So, but hey, we could be talking in three or four days from now, Berrettini's won his first slam. Uh, I think Berrettini has an excellent chance. There are now there's there'll be four people in with a chance of winning uh this men's title come come to this time tomorrow. Berrettini will be one of those four. And I see him very much a contender. I, I think all four will be a contender. Whoever makes it to play Medvedev in the other semi-final, I think we'll have a chance. 89 likes. Great. We're going up, we're going up. Eleven more, and we'll get a hundred. Um, yeah. Anyway, I've kind of given an overview there of Berrettini Monfils. Let's have a quick look at the uh, a deep dive on this in terms of the stats. Let's head down here. Um, winners fairly equal. Unforced errors, 50. That's even more from Berrettini than than Chapavalov did. So this is fairly aggressive match uh, from both sides of the net. Um, I always saw Berrettini as being the favourite. I thought he would win slightly more comfortable. Let me know what you think in the live chat. What happened in sets three and four that, that really gave Monfils got Monfils back in the match. Do you think it was all on Monfils' racket or do you think it was maybe Berrettini's level dropping? Um, the, the the double fault figure, by the way, of two double faults in the whole match, that's pretty good from Berrettini for someone who's a pretty big server. Um, Berrettini's just a consistent player and he's just a very, very good player. And if you have an off day against Berrettini, if you are Rafa Nadal, Daniel Medvedev, even Djokovic, if you do have an off day, Berrettini will punish you because I don't see Berrettini having too many off days. I don't see his top, top level, particularly because of the backhand. Although I have to say in the fifth set today, the backhand was firing quite well. And I think that was key for that fifth set, um, that the backhand was doing fine. Um, because we do sometimes see that breakdown and we do see opponents eventually break down the backhand. I think we've seen it with Djokovic against Berrettini last year. I also think Rafa in 2019. Uh, Yeah. But now both Berrettini and Nadal have three days, if you like, or at least two complete break days. I heard Rafa say that he will be um uh he will be uh enjoying the day off tomorrow, it seems like. Rafa's someone who likes to practice every day, but I think tomorrow he he's gonna have a day off. At least that was his plan at the end of the close of play. We'll see how he feels tomorrow if he, if he feels stiff at all. But yeah. Um so Monfis Berrettini. Didn't go quite as I expected. I expected Berrettini to win in three or four sets. Again, I want to see. Monfils had long balls then in the first set. Thanks, Fatima, for that. Um, Berrettini showing fatigue. He was all over the place with shots, allegedly. That surprises me, Megs Carpentry, that Berrettini was showing fatigue because um, I, th- I see him as one of the fittest people on tour. His age is just perfect, 20, 20s. Um, obviously, being younger than Monfils as well would have given him a slight advantage in terms of fitness, albeit that Monfils has the... Um, has the, you know, the experience. Let's finish just quickly on Monfils, though. Is that it? Was that monfi's last chance of making a slam final, of winning a slam? I think it probably was. I think Djokovic pulling out or deported, uh, forced out, whatever you, whichever way you want to term it, that opened the draw up for Monfils. As I said before the match, I heard so many people saying Monfils is playing well. That's nice, but he was beating players that I would expect him to win against, and he did. And he won nicely in straight sets. It was all going to be about how is Monfils going to get on from this point of the tournament onwards. Uh, Berrettin had a long set with five sets of Alcaraz two, and spent a lot of time on court in this tournament. Yeah, he did, but I don't see that being an issue now. He's got two days off to, to have a break. I think that will benefit both players probably equally. So I think if anything, Rafa needs the extra two days more, just seeing how how Rafa finished the match and how Berrettini finished the match. Uh, but yes, that's a good point, Gene. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, Monfils. Let me know in the chat. Is that it? Was that Monfils' last chance of making a Grand Slam final? I think, I think it was. I don't see the... The, the things opening up quite as they, as they did before. Monfils is like Dimitrov, close, but no cigar. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I think you're right with Dimitrov too. I think both of those had the talent. Um, maybe as well, uh, Songa, I, I would put in that category. I know Songa made the Australian Open final of, uh, was it 2008 when he lost to Djokovic, Djokovic's first slam and first Aussie of nine. Yeah. Um, yeah, quarterfinals is where it gets serious. I, I think depends on your draw. It could get serious before that. And Berrettini's had a tough run, obviously with the third round against Alcaraz. PCB fourth, maybe slightly easier for Mont- Mont- uh, Berrettini in, in the in the quarterfinals. But he's had a tough run to this stage. Monfils hasn't. Um, yes, unfortunately, he was so dejected in the post-match interview. Yeah, I can imagine Cedric. I I I, I feel for him because I think this was his his chance. I think it was I'm not saying he would have won the tournament but he's not going to get it much easier than this. He's not going to he's not going to ever be probably ranked in the top 4 in the world again. He's not going to be in the top 4 in the world. So he's not going to get a super high seeding that he's going to get to semi-finals with such a fortunate draw. He's going to be in quarters with Berrettinis, with Djokovic's, with Nadal's, you know, with um with Shabavalovs and with with um Better if he makes a comeback, Medvedev of course, Federer, etc. City pass. He's going to get in those quarters, even he's going to meet them in the third or the fourth round given his ranking. Um, and he's going to come up short probably and if he even if he does get a good win against one of those, he's then going to come up against a better opponent, a better opponent, a better opponent. So this was Monfesis's chance. This was his moment and it sounds like I didn't watch the um press conference afterwards but it sounds like he knew it. And I'm sad because let me just explain why this was an amazing chance. We already mentioned Djokovic going out. You're going to play a good player in the quarterfinals, but you'd probably rather play Berrettini than Medvedev. You'd certainly rather play Berrettini than Djokovic. You're going to play a top player in the semifinals. You know, someone like Nadal, but Nadal's had that tough, tough, tough match today. Nadal is vulnerable in Australia a bit more than he is elsewhere. So this was Monfis's chance to get to a final, and I do think that's it. Gary. From the point of view of being a credit to the sport, Berrettini would be a great champion. I still don't see any reasons to believe Medvedev is not going to triumph, however. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's where we are. Um, Nadal has a chance for sure, and he has a chance of making the final, um, but Medvedev's still the favourite. But Medvedev could fall before the final. I-, I think if Medvedev gets to the final, he probably wins it, but he could lose to Felix. He really could. Uh, Nigel, thanks for that. Thoughts on Chapeau's comments on Nadal's treatment? Yeah. Um, Yeah, we've seen this before with Nadal. But to be fair, the umpire did say, he said, what do you want? There was a moment, I think, at the end of that first set where the umpire, the Brazilian guy whose name escapes me right now, let me know in the chat, Uh, begins with B, I think. Uh, And Nadal, by the way, has had a bit of a contretemps with this umpire before uh, where they had a bit of an argument. Um, So, yeah, and uh, but the umpire said, look, he had eight seconds on his serve. It wasn't like it was going, I think, towards the end of the match, sets three, four, and five. I was seeing the background image of, of, of Nadal serving. And interestingly, by the way, in, in the fifth set, as I said to you, the shadow moved across. And it actually meant that um, uh, the, um, the the stop clock, the shot clock, by the way, was um, in complete in the bright sunshine. You could barely see it. I know the umpire will have another shot clock there. Carlos Bernardes, thank you very much. Yeah, Brazilian dude. Um, Thanks to Eddie and thanks to Matt as well. Matt, by the way, is on first name terms with him. Just calls him Carlos. Um, I don't know if you... Are you friends with each other, Matts. If you are, uh, great, because he seems like a decent guy. Meg's carpentry celebrating the fact we've got 100 likes. That's great. Jesus, we can't... By the way, the trick to getting hundred likes, I've realized, is just keep talking. <laughs> 50 minutes, and we've only just got to the end of the second semi final. Okay, I think I've done both those two semis. Let's move to the women's. Um Krijakova, who I made favourite to beat Keys. Um ultimately though Keys prevailed. And very different match. Um, to the Nadal semifinal that followed it, but there is, of course, one key similarity. Kojikova struggled in the heat um, midway through the first set. <laughs> so we're talking about game three or four here, and she's already... Um, getting the, the getting a medical timeout. She was really struggling. We saw her struggling in New York last year as well. Conditions slightly different in New York. It was a nighttime match against Muguruza when she was struggling, and she prevailed in that match. It was getting tight towards the end of the third set. We all remember Muguruza getting angry with Krajakova after that for the timeout that she had. But she was really struggling today in the heat, searing sunshine. She was obviously first on, so it was like 1, 2 o'clock, or even a bit early midday, 1 o'clock there. Um, I think it was started at half past 12 local time. So even hotter than probably than the Nadal match, which obviously started a bit later in the day. And we saw her there with the ice around her neck. We saw her trying to get cool. We saw her really looking really flushed in the face and she was really struggling. And I think that certainly affected her and it certainly affected her in the f- first set. Talking of that first set, there were so many break points in the first, I think, four or five games. Break points and they were just get- getting saved. I counted almost 10 break points in that first sort of three or four or four or five games. And let's just have a quick look at the breakpoint stats, actually. Um, Have we got the breakpoint stats here? No, we don't seem to have them. But never mind. Um, There were just so many. Uh, Breakpoint saved. There we go. Um, So there was 12. There's 20 breakpoints in the match, if you like. And that's a key. Uh, Basically, uh, Krojakova broke once from eight. She broke once from eight, whereas Keys broke four times from 12 much better stat for Keys, and that was the key. No pun intended there from, from Keys, obviously, getting the break there and getting so many of them. I mean, Keys was the better player, um, but I do think uh, that Krejcikova was suffering a bit, and that now means that Ash Barty will stay world number one because she won today, but actually she didn't need to win uh, Ash Barty, But in terms of keeping the number one spot, but uh, there was a chance. I think Krajakova had to win the tournament and Barty had to go out at this quarterfinal stage and she would have become world number one, zooming up from, from four in, in the world, I believe she is right now. Uh, uh, talking of which, Osaka, who was knocking on the door for number one, I think she's down to like something like 81 in the world, um, which is a, a startling stat. If there was any more evidence we needed in terms of Krajakova struggling, there was an interesting stat which was showing the time between each point. Krajakova was... Um, 26 seconds. Keys was 20. Keys mentioned afterwards as well. Her her living in Orlando, if you like, or living in Florida, maybe helps her a bit. We see Keys sweating, but I'm not so worried about the sweating. I'm more con- in- interested to see how things panning out. Krajakova, 26 seconds between points. She's blowing. She needs it. Keys, 20 seconds. She's fine. Uh, Krajakova, Czech Republic. Keys, Florida. Perhaps there's a bit there, and I think that ultimately um, – was the difference, really. Uh, Krajakova wasn't quite hitting her spots, wasn't quite playing as well as she was earlier in the tournament. Um, She did play a little bit more aggressively in the second set. I think she wanted the shorter points, but with aggression comes errors, and that ultimately was the difference in this match. As I say, um, Barty will stay number one in the world. I watched the first set of this match. Let me know in the chat what you thought of this match, particularly the second set, which basically I missed. Um... Fatima was suggesting that Barty's strategy is very good. I couldn't agree more. Uh, we saw the usual dozens and dozens of backhand slices. Pagula, I don't think, was coping with that too well. What we did see though, because I say I saw the first set, actually, the first four games, I think it was. I know it was 3-1. In fact, it might have been the first five games. But Pagula was pushing Barty. And, and Pagula was really pushing Barty on her serve. Um and yeah, by the way, just a quick point on over there, Ben. Thanks for that. Yeah. Should over stop playing both doubles and singles in slams? Maybe. Maybe. But we do see a bit more on the women's side, this possibly being possible. Um, I actually have a a, a a generic point. I would actually like to see women play five sets. Um I think uh, there's there's no physiological reason that women can't play five sets. I'd like to see I'd like to see it introduced um, as the final, at least, of the women's slams at finals. Best of five. I know we'd have other issues at other points of the tournament. Uh, and by the way, if they went best of five, I think you would start seeing them drop doubles. I think though Ben today was more of an issue of the heat than necessarily exhaustion from playing too many matches. Oh, by the way, you have got to check out a Twitter account called... Um, I'm, I'm going to... I know this is not ideal on on Twitter, uh, sorry, on, on doing this on, on Google while, while we watch, but I want to do head Twitter cry because this is just such a funny Twitter account. Um, uh, let's have a quick look if I can find it pretty quickly because we've got the, um, the Marin Chilich one, uh, regarding, uh, uh, him, whether he won today. And there's a, uh, there's a Twitter account basically saying, have head given her a new kit because she's always wearing the same outfit. She's always wearing the same outfit, all the tournaments, always the same one. Give, there's an account, which I've not managed to locate, but it's basically called give Um your a new uh, head kit. Um, <laughs> I can't find it. and I'm not going to keep pursuing it, but please have a look for that. If you get a chance, because, Um, there's a funny Twitter account, which is basically along the lines of give, uh, give her a new kit, um, uh, or have, has, has had given Kledjakova a new kit today. No. (laughs) And I think it's even better than the Marin Chilich one. So yeah, a quick touch on what the point I was going to say before. Um, I think I'd love to see five sets of women, but perhaps because of scheduling, there might be a bit more needs to be played. Maybe we need to go a day earlier on the start. In terms of making it a 16-day slam, but I think we could certainly introduce it with five sets for the final. See, how we get on. Once upon the line, the ladies did play five sets. I didn't know that, Adamo. Thanks for that comment. Um, cool. Okay. Let me know how you think the rest of the women's tournament are going. Barty's on course for the final. Uh, she'll obviously play Keys in the semi, which is not bad for her. I'd like to know how the head-to-head there is, but um, yeah, let me know how you think that's going to go. Let's have a quick look ahead to what Game to Love have to offer for you in the coming hours, if you like. We've got um, a watch-along uh, probably tonight. Uh, we're looking at Collins against Cornet. Uh I make Collins slight favourite in that match, um, but Cornet has a chance. I know Jean, among others, thinks that Corne uh, will win that. I've gone for Collins, but it is nip and tuck. Uh, Cornet in her first Grand Slam quarterfinal. Very much looking forward to that. Also, we've got a special show on tonight regarding the Rafa drama. And I know one or two of you have asked questions in the chat asking for an elaboration on this, which I tried to touch on a bit earlier. Uh, thanks for that. Gene is two. Gene's saying, Barty, two to one against Keys. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, Barty's the favorite. Slammy so final of the slam. We'll see how that gets on. But let's have a quick look at this. We've got this coming up this evening for you the, the Rafa drama, if you like, from today. The, um, the the drama with Shapovalov, Shapovalov making accusations, all of you are corrupt, he's saying, giving preferen- preferential treatment. Joker, uh, sorry, Nadal mentioned it in his press conference afterwards, suggesting, of course, there is no preferential treatment um, for the big players, in particular uh, him. Troy's saying, how dare you go against Collins? Oh, he's talking to Gene. Yeah, Gene, yeah, well, that's that's between you guys. But yeah, I think Collins will win. Uh, anyway, yeah, so tune in for this and make sure you like and subscribe this video. If you subscribe, you'll get the reminder as well. Get yourself a reminder on this Rafa drama episode we've got coming up for you tonight that JG and Ben will be hosting. Does Rafa get preferential treatment? Do the big three get refer- preferential treatment, particularly when it comes to timeouts, particularly when it comes to the shot clock? Dennis Shapovalov certainly thinks so. He continued in his press conference afterwards expressing anger about this. Rafa said, look, maybe later on in his career he'll regret his actions today um let me know what you think in the live chat but really uh make sure you tune in tonight uh someone there suggesting that rafa looks like dracula on this picture very good we had a big discussion backstage before we went live today as to whether this was the case um uh yeah uh so yeah we we had a um uh, we had a good discussion about how it looked look green in this picture or not, or whether he looked like Hulk or whatever. Um, uh, for yeah, yeah, so very funny. And let me know if you think he was getting um, uh, if he was getting um, preferential treatment, if you think he is in general. I mean, this has been an ongoing theme for Rafa over the years. I remember in the final against um, Beratin, no, sorry, in the final against Medvedev in 2019, uh, I was actually fortunate enough to be at that match. Uh, a great match and could well see a repeat, of, of course, in this tournament if, that, if they both get to the final. Regarding the shot clock where um, where Rafa was, uh, yeah, I think he got a point penalty even in that match. Uh, he certainly, yeah, I'm pretty sure he got a point penalty in the fifth set as he was trying to regain his composure, having taken a two-set lead, two sets all, a bit like today, goes on to win in the fifth. Uh, so, yeah, let me know what you think right now in the live chat. But really, I really want to hear a bit more about this. Um, later on uh, because uh, those guys will be going in for a deep dive on this whether you think rafa gets preferential treatment or not thank you jg i've just managed to locate this now let's see if i can use by the wonders of technology if i can share this with you probably not going to be able to because my ability with technology is not what it should be so, oh yes, probably I can. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to show you the Kryachkovka account that I really desperately wanted to show you earlier. Um, here we go. Am I spending too much time on this? Don't know. I thought it was amusing. So the account is called. Hopefully, you can all see this uh, on the on the screen here. Did Kryachkovka get a new kit? Checking if the number four player, WTA player in the world, Barbara Klejakova, got a new outfit from her uh, sponsor, Head Tennis. I think this is better than. Uh, let me know in the live chat. Do you think this is better than they did Chilich one tonight? I think this is even funnier. Of course, the answer today was no. <laughs> and it's nope, no, every two days of this slam. No, no, and so on. And I could go on. It's just basically forever no. Uh, will she get a new kit in time for the clay court season and the French Open? Uh, that of course she'll be defending. Will she be defending it in the same kit that she wore last year? Interesting stat for you, by the way. Uh, and I'll, I'll pretty much wrap up on this. Even Isovich, famously winning uh, Wimbledon in two thousand and one, I think we spoke about this briefly yesterday. Ivan Isovich won Wimbledon in two thousand and one, and he didn't change his shirt throughout the entire tournament he did it for a, a good luck thing he thought it brought him luck very superstitious Mr. venicevic um, i was really pleased for him to win that final in in 2001 because he'd come so close to winning slams and especially wimbledon uh, so many years before i remember him losing to agassi in 92 for example um, and he didn't change his shirt for the entire year thank you adamola backing me up there on 2001 yeah he didn't change his shirt. Now, that wasn't a sponsorship issue, or anything like that. Even Isovich wore the same T-shirt for 14 days, pretty much. Or, well, let's say he didn't wear it in his spare time, but certainly when he was on court, just because he thought it brought him luck. And he needed a bit of luck in that fifth set against Rafter uh, in that final. And um, so pleased that he managed to win it. Even Rafter, I've heard interviewed say that, <laughs> yeah, maybe luck or could be stinky. Lol, says Cedric. Yeah, I think a bit of both. Uh, but that 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 shirt must be worth a few quid. And I'm sure Isovich has got that Frame somewhere because such an incredible run and such an incredible uh, win. Okay, uh, Will though, let's bring us back to the present day. Um, how do you see the semi-finals going tomorrow? Uh, let's bring us to uh, a nice image of the day. There, we've got the Rafa image there. Shall we squeeze on that? Well, let's let's have a quick look at this match tonight. I've gone for Collins over Corne. Let me say, let me know what you think in the chat the other semi final somebody write in the chat actually or ben and jg in the private chat just just give me a quick reminder of all the semi finals that we've got over the next uh day or so or the next 24 hours we've got medvedev against felix i know we did a preview show last night check that out by the way from the uh from jg and ben an excellent preview i think i agreed with many of the predictions but not all oh and at this point i have to mention that ben he's Day nine predictions. He got them 100% right. Ben couldn't wait to let that out. Obviously, Ben has had an awful tournament uh, regarding his predictions. I'm not sure who had a worse tournament um, between uh, Coco Goff going out in the first round, um, Leila Fernandez going out in the first round, uh, Skatov going out as well in the first round. And that's what brings me to Ben's predictions. Um, that basically, he's had an awful tournament. Good for you, Ben. Well done. Uh, for getting having a good day but i'm afraid ben if you're going to start if you want to be winning these tournaments and winning these slams and winning big things and getting plaudits one day out of 14 is not good enough it's just not good enough ben one day is great i mean listen i can go on court for example tomorrow smash it around win a win a game or two win a match maybe but you've got to do it over 14 days uh, come home to me when you do it over 14 days that's all i'm saying we we're tired of the sepi thing as well by the way no more of that um okay great yes yeah, so we've got sinner versus city tomorrow as well but can you let me know on the other women's semi final it's um swanchek against um bu- 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 that's what i want to know as well so we've got sinner against city pass i've gone sinner in that one but i think it's a tight one let me know what you think in the live chat as well um canopy thank you yeah so swanchek canopy for me swanchek is the favorite I'm going for Swanchek. pass Sinop, really tight. I will just probably finish on that one. Um, I'll just quickly say that I think Medvedev will beat Felix, but I do see Felix getting a set. And I don't think it's gonna be easy. I think the really difficult one. Oh, Gene's going for Canopy. Nice one there. Uh that's I think that's a brave choice. Um yeah, Fatima going Swanchek in three. Yeah, I think perhaps quite possibly as well. I think that I think the difficult one to call though. And I don't know if you all agree with me. I think the difficult one to call is Sinner Pass. It's probably for me the most anticipated match of the day, just because I see the other ones being a bit clear clearer. I see Collins as favourite. I see Ego as favourite. I see Medvedev as favourite. But this one I think is much toser, to- closer. I think top top pass top firing on fire pass wins. But we haven't seen. Top, top, top on fire sitsy pass for a, eight months since the French Open final. I guess that's the the, the big thing. Um, by the way, Gunnar, they're saying, I hope we see a Rafa Cinna final. So do I, but because I think that, that that will be the final that gives Rafa the best chance. Um, I think if Sitsipas gets as far as the final, it suggests that he's over this issue he had with his elbow. He's over the form issue he had at certain times last year. And he, I think he is getting better. I think he got a bit lucky against um, Fritz in the previous round. Uh, I say a bit lucky. I mean, he took advantage of the luck, if you like. He was clutch in the key moments. Um, if it's a top-firing Sitsipas versus Sinner uh, Sinahil, good question there. Um, Repeat after me. Ah, oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, okay. It's the pronunciation. I, you might be right, Eddie. I don't know how your Polish is, and I'm sure mine is off too. But I think it's Szwantek. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I've got quite a few Polish friends, Eddie. I'm going to go home, do some homework, speak to them. Hi, George. Sorry you're late. I uh, hope Ben has uh, a great song plan for Rafa if he wins on Sunday. Yes, yeah, so do I. George, hit the like button, please, if you haven't done so already. Make sure you go back to the beginning of the video and we go for a deep dive on, on Rafa as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to practice this the uh pronunciation and I'll get back to you on that one. Um, but yeah, somebody asking if City Pass is fit firing 100%. If he is fit firing 100%, I think he beats Sinner. But I don't think he is fit firing at 100%. And I think Sinner is probably playing the best tennis of his career albeit a very fledgling career. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, Snehill, good question. But uh, I think Sinner wins, but it is tight. Uh, like I said with Chapovalov against um, Rafa, I think you can make arguments for both. If somebody in the live chat thinks Sitsapasa will win, there are reasons for that. And the reasons are that it, Sitsapasa is absolute best, I think, as it stands right now. will beat Sinner his absolute best. But what we've seen is Sinner's trajectory in terms of improvement has been like this. It's not been quite like Alcaraz, which is like that. I think it has been a bit more steady um, uh, incline for for him, um, but uh, he is playing the best tennis of his career, and I think it'll be enough to beat Sinner. Uh, I thought it'd be enough to beat Cephas, but it is the closest of the five of uh, the four sorry, matches tomorrow. It's one I'm looking forward to. Uh, and yeah, by the way, uh, check out some of the Costinakis uh, and Kyrios funning games, winning their doubles again yesterday. Uh, they are a bag of entertainment and uh, certainly get yourself uh, watch some of the videos from from that. Okay. One hour and eight minutes. Um, thank you for tuning in. It's the longest one we've had so far. Went for a deep dive on the Rafa match. Hopefully I covered the other ones pretty well as well. I think I did about half an hour on Rafa and 40 minutes for the others. As you would expect though, 20 time Grand Slam, five sets etc. Looking forward to tomorrow. Make sure we all get fre- refreshed, sleep, enjoy. I'll see you again tomorrow, morning, afternoon, evening, or night. I have no idea. Natalia there, uh, who may well be uh, Polish. She says she's Polish, yeah. Szwontek. Schwontek, Schwiontek, Schwiontek. There we go. N comes from the letter, yeah, that, 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 yeah, yeah, a squiggly one, which gives the d- voice sound on. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you're a, a phonetic teacher, but that's that's much closer than the previous suggestion. And I'm going with you as you're Polish. I will be practicing that over the next few hours because I'm sure I'll be touching on Sfiontek tomorrow to see how she got on in her semi-final. I'm predicting her to win, uh, probably in straight sets. Okay, thank you. It was a marathon. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Matt. Adamola saying well done. I'm going to uh, take some water now because my throat is dry. See you soon. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe. Make sure you tune in for tonight's Rafa debate and make sure you tune in for some of the watch alongs coming. And I will speak to you tomorrow. Bye.